Hey, welcome to Live Leadership. My name is John. I can serve as the executive pastor at Peace Church. And I'm Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at Peace Church. This is a place where we discuss leadership that is happening live and right now for us in the church. We don't claim to be the experts or have it all figured out, but we want to talk about the challenges we're facing, and we hope it is helpful to all of you as you lead wherever you're at. Today, we are talking about the fun and exciting topic of church budgets. Yay! (laughs) But for real, yay. I'm really glad you're so excited. Uh, Actually, I think this is one of those classic conversations where the lead pastors are usually not pumped to talk about the topic, but executive pastors, we're at least okay with it. Are you okay with it? I'm okay with it. Um, Actually, I think you're a little bit unique in this way and that as a lead pastor, you're you're actually pretty up on numbers. You like numbers. Yeah, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy. Which is, you know, usually for the lead pastors. And I, I feel like I can say this because I once was a lead pastor. So I don't feel like I'm just insulting all the lead pastors out there because I was there for a while. Um, I feel like the lead pastor stereotypically is usually the guy who's all about hopes, dreams, and stories Yeah, is what the budget's all about. Yeah. They want to tell a story um, yeah. as opposed to look at the numbers. But you're actually, you're uh, you're good with numbers. Yeah. And it's partly because, as we'll get into, numbers reflect vision, hope, and dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Well played. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, hey, we're going to jump into it. Um, I think there's a super practical, important topic. So we're kicking off a new year. We're here in January recording this. And so um, this is a time when a lot of churches are kicking off a new budget year. For us, it's actually the middle of the budget year. And for us, we're thinking about this because we're jumping into the budget process. We run a fiscal year that is um, July 1st through June 30th of every year, matches our program year, the school year, all that kind of stuff. And so for us, the budget process begins of creating next budget, uh, next year's budget right now. So that's why we're thinking about it. All right, so let's jump into it. So, Pastor Ryan, would you, from the lead pastor's seat, what is a church budget? Why does it matter? Is it just uh, numbers? Is it just a ball and chain? Is there something important about it? So there's a lot of questions in that one question. So the church budget is the financial view of the church. It's it's The church budget is the way that we put it. And again, this may work differently based on your context and your denomination, But for us, it is a tool that God is allowing us to use to see the vision fulfilled for which he's placed on the life of the church. And so, yes, it is, it is, I'll use the term funded. I don't know if that's probably the best term, but it's funded by the tithes and offerings that God's people faithfully give to see the work of the gospel continue. It is, the church budget gives us the responsibility and parameters of how we are to execute the vision Mm. and the ministries of the church. And so, yes, you know, you asked, is it a ball? Is it a ball and chain? Um, if you look at it like that, it will become a ball and chain. Mm. If you look at it as a tool that God is allowing us to use to fulfill the vision he has on us, then I think you have an opportunity to get more excited about it. It's a way to show the church, um, the level of faith that we have. You know, I've said before that a fully funded budget is not a budget. How, how do I say it? How do I say it? I said, a fully funded budget is not a church budget that meets budget. Um, a fully funded budget is a a fully funded church budget is a budget where everyone gives faithfully. Mm. That's when it's fully funded. Um, it's when people give faithfully, not when you meet um, your your financial quota, your financial mm. means. It prayerfully, it's going to be above that because people are given faithfully. So, what is it? It's a tool that God allows us to use to fulfill the vision He placed on the on the church. Yeah. How would totally. you, you as the executive pastor, as someone who served in a few different roles, including lead pastor, how would you view and understand the church budget? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've always said is that uh, budget reflects vision, 
which is a lot of what you were saying is that you know where we put our dollars is is should be should be where our vision is uh, who we want to be where we want to go and so not yeah. just bills right right it's not just bills oh, these are the bills we have to pay these are the costs we have um, it should reflect these are the most significant things that we want to see done in the next year and so that's where we put our our money our financial resources. So, uh, should we talk about budget process a little bit? So this this kind of varies depending on you know the size of church, but I think this is helpful just for for all of us, whatever size church you're coming from, to think through how do we go about building the budget. Now, having served in a few different churches, I've seen a lot of different ways of doing it. But let's let's think about the budget process a little bit. Um, so I, I get to lead this process mm-hmm. at our church, um, but essentially I would say that our so here's I I pulled up kind of our budget process laid out on paper. Here's sort of that the headline purpose statement that I've got at the top it says that the purpose of the budget is to create or our, the, the goal of our process is to create a budget that reflects our vision, our program year plan and our financial reality. So when we start off every year, that's the goal. We think about what is the vision of our church? Where are we headed? Who are we? All that kind of stuff. What is our plan for the next year? So, you know, a budget, if it's if it's going to be accurate, you've got to have a plan. You know, if you're saying, what, what is our budget? Right. What's going to cost us to run the next 12 months of ministry? That means you have to have a plan for the next 12 months of ministry. Yeah. And so we actually start by making sure that we have the next calendar year planned before we get into what's it going to cost us. So there's that. And then it should also reflect our financial reality, which means you have to do kind of a forecast of uh, what is our revenue going to be next year? And therefore, what can we spend? That's what I say. Year? Like for, yes, it's a reflection of the budget. It's a tool to fulfill the budget, but it can't just be all hopes and dreams. There's a financial right. reality that you have to operate within. And I know some churches where they will, they don't think about it in terms of vision. They think about it simply in terms of projected income. And then they, they orient their vision around that. Meaning I know one church, uh, what they do is they will look at the amount of money that people tithe based on the last year. Mm-hmm. And that will be the budget for the next year. And then ministries have to, whatever it's like in their setting, ministries have to hash it out how the pie gets divided. Right. Uh, we typically don't take that approach. All right. I've got a question for you guys. If you could construct a church budget in like the least efficient or maybe in the most unhealthy way, how would you guys go about it? Like what is the worst way to create a church budget? Yeah. <laughs> I'll start with one that may be painfully obvious, but not also obvious is to not have a church budget. Mm. to just go on a, on a weekly basis, whatever came in, that's what you try to spend that next week. I don't know of any church that does that, but if we're just talking hypothetically, what are bad ways to do that? That is one that comes to mind for me is to not even have a church budget. Um, now, some people may say, no, that's actually a very faith-based approach because every week you're relying on God. And mm. uh, to that, I would say that just sounds very naive. Um, I think it's good to plan things out and to call people to a level of faith that challenges them and, I don't know how you really put in plan a long-term vision and goals for um, for your ministry without being able to plan ahead like that and and consider yeah budget budget um, out. So one of the th- I mean a budget is essentially a plan right of how you're going to spend your money. So. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I've said before about planning is that plans do change because I think one of the objections to having a strong plan is that, well, things change all the time. And so, you know, why have a plan? Well, plans do have change, do change, but I think it's always better to have a plan that changes than to operate without a plan. Yeah. Well said. 
I, th- I think that's what it comes down to. So like you're saying, better is to have a budget. Is that the book of John 3.16? Yes. Actually, no. The book of John actually is a book of the Bible. I was thinking the book of John Delger. There you go. The book of John without an H. I know what John 3.16 actually says. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> way to go, Pastor Ryan. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, the other, another worst way, I think, would be to sort of um, let a large group of people have equal say in what the budget is. That would be another worst way to do it. Um, you know, if you can't get into a room with just a handful of, of wise leaders and put together a budget and you have, you know, if you're going to have hundreds of people contribute and just, you know, that what you're going to have is a huge number of people all vying for whatever they think is their favorite thing in the church instead of a group of people committed to what is the best thing for the church overall. I know a church that for part of their budget process was they'd have a congregational meeting and they would literally go through the budget line by line and get get congregational affirmation based on each line item. And inevitably this pastor would tell me that there was like four or five people who had a real strong passion about this, about their, their certain area. And they dreaded getting to their line item because they would always stand up and vie and trying to, to get more than what was presented. Yeah. So if this line item was for a thousand dollars, they'd say, this ministry is so important. We need it to be $3,000 and they'd heckle over that in a congregational meeting. So that right. that's what ends up happening because we've talked about this before is that when you have lar- you've, you've made this point when you have larger groups of people, it's not like everyone actually has equal say what ends up happening is the loudest voice rally people. Mm-hmm. And those loudest voices um, typically don't come from godly places of influence or leadership and they end up swaying things in, in, in a, in a personal selfish way rather than a godly way. Right. That's one of the points I've tried to make about congregational meetings or about just large gatherings. People have said, you know, we let's get let's get everybody into a room. That way we've all got equal say. But that's not how crowds work. It's exact. Yeah. Crowds work by there's a few loudest voices and they end up being the ones who have all the say in a large crowd. So you so you've essentially got two choices. You're either going to let the largest voices win or you're going to select some leaders, which you know we would call elders mm-hmm. and and let them have the strongest voices on purpose. Yeah. So I know we're going to get into our budget process, but that's why neither you or myself have the final say. Sure. Our elders do. Right. Our ordained, called, equipped, qualified elders. I wrote down, I got some notes here. So, you know, the, the layers, if you want to think about how a budget gets approved, the layers in our process are, it goes from staff to the operations department, to the executive staff, which is uh, our, our top level leaders. They're all pastors. Um, and then to our elders is the, is the final say. So those are kind of the layers that the budget moves through. Which the elders have final, final vote, final say. Right. That's right. So our, yeah. So our, our elders that we believe are called to lead and shepherd our church, that, that body of leaders has the final say over what is our, what is our budget. So we do present it to our congregation. So we bring it to the congregation at the end of the budget process. And we do give them a chance to uh, affirm that budget uh, because we think it's so important that the entire church family is able to say, yes, I commit to uh, giving, to contributing to this budget, to seeing it happen. Uh, We're part of this church family and we want to see this happen. Um, And so we all get to affirm it as a church family, but it's our elder team that actually gets to set the budget, create it, um, and decide on. Yeah, I think this... that's a really important distinction that we we make when we talk about this to our congregation. You're just not like consenting to the church operating based on this budget. Your affirmation is your is your way to say I will also commit to see this through as a member of the church. 
Like, so, so them affirming with a yes is them saying, yes, I will joyfully, sacrificially, faithfully give to see this budget, uh, see this budget met. Yeah. So Pastor John, when we talk about budget, yes, we want it to be vision oriented. We want it to have uh, a realistic, realistic expectation based on, you know, your church family and the community you live in. But with that, as we think about putting together a healthy faith-based budget, how do you think about breaking it down in terms of your simple administration costs, programming costs, staff costs, missions costs, et cetera, et cetera? Is there, is there healthy parameters or healthy ways to think about divvying up the pie that's our best practices? Proven yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So the, the biggest one that everybody talks about and that you could, you know, you could Google this and find plenty of information about is that usually staffing costs end up being about half your budget. That's kind mm-hmm. of a general principle, right around 50%, 45 to 55 is kind of the number that I usually hear from leaders in the industry of just, that's where your, your staffing costs should be right in that range somewhere. Another helpful metric that we use uh, and that, that lots of churches do use is, and, and I've heard different numbers, either one to 70 or one to 75 as to what your ratio of staff members, full-time staff members, so FTEs, uh, to attendees, what that ratio should be. So one staff, one full-time staff member to every 70 attendees or one to 75. So somewhere right in that range. That's a, that's a big metric. Full-time equivalent. Yep. Just to clarify what that means for yep. people. Yep. Yep. So full-time equivalent. Yeah. So like if you have two 20 hour week staff members, then that counts together as one FTE. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yep. So is there ever time to break that? Is there ever time to be higher or lower than that? Yeah. Um, and again, that, so for us every year, that's essentially the biggest conversation is about, is about how much are we going to invest in staff in the coming year? What, yeah. what makes sense? And I think the times to, to break that rule or to end up on the high side of that rule is when you're growing rapidly, when you're facing lots of change, especially if you're projecting more growth. Um, you know, so for us recently, you know, uh, adding campuses or buildings or things like that, seeing large amounts of growth, we have sometimes pushed towards the upper limits of that. Um, and that's because we're, we're growing so fast. You need you need people to drive yeah. that change to to lead ministries, and you can't be shortchanged in the middle of a of a program year yeah. on, on people. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. So and so so that 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 hitting fifty five or above percentage mark for staff that may be where it is when the budget's approved. But the notion there is that the yeah. growth that is anticipated is that by the end of the year that levels out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've pushed as high as 60. Um, and I've, I've heard plenty of churches that do that. That's, yeah, yeah. that's not uncommon. Churches do that. But the kind of the general, yeah, that kind of gives you a general range to stay in for staffing. And I say this not to flex, like, but just for the reality of people understand, like, according to Outreach Magazine, we're the 29th fastest growing church in the United States. Like, we wanted to make sure that we had the staff and that we were ahead of this. And so that's why we kind of pushed it a little bit higher. It was just... We, it was proven true that we are a rapidly fast growing church and yeah. we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to burn out our staff that was existing, that we had the pieces in place to be able to handle and navigate the current growth and the future growth that we fully expected it for it to continue. So we're not saying that's a license to do this all the time. Like we, this yeah. isn't, you can't do that necessarily just on a hope that you'll grow. We had a proven track record that we were con- constantly growing. Right, we were thirty percent year over year, three years in a row. So yeah. th- that was of kind growth, of a, yeah, which is of huge. Growth. Yeah, that was a that was a track record. Um, and like you said, it's a it's a a part of it is care, caring for your staff. You know, if you're constantly understaffed, then you're yeah. exhausting people. Yep. So, yeah, you got to care for your human resources for real people. Yeah. 
So what would you hear? Uh, what would you say then, uh, Pastor John, to let's say there's a pastor listening right now, or maybe uh, uh, an, an elder or a, lead, a, a leader who's dealing with a budget process that they know is not the most conducive, um, that they know is probably lacking. Like there's, they're frustrated by the budget process. They hear what they're, they're, they hear what we're saying and they say, yes, I want that. But how do I get to that? I have a very crippling system right now. Mm. How do we get to the point of a better, healthy process for the budget? Yeah. Well, that's a tough one. Make um, them listen to this podcast. Yeah, Number right. One. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna say that. Yeah, hopefully, share this resource with them so they yeah. can they can use this to think through the issues. Because I think that's in each situation that I've been in where we've brought some reform to major processes like the budget or like selecting elders and deacons, things like that. The first step is for. Uh, people in charge for leaders of some kind to realize that there's a problem to, to mm. see the need. So you got to show them where is the problem? How could this be better? And once people start to see, okay, this could be better, then they become open to change. And then you get to present some possible solutions. So yeah. that's, that's always where I would say to start is to present the need, help people see the problems. Um, yeah. And then show them kind of a picture of what it could be. And hopefully that this, hopefully this conversation starts to point you in that direction. Yeah. And I would say to an elder board that's concerned about changing a process, this is where, this is where you kind of demonstrate levels of trust. No, no pastor out there is looking to change the budget process so that they can get rich. Mm. And if you think that about your pastor, then fire him. Mm. Like, but I guarantee you, you don't in your heart of hearts. That's not, you know, that's not what a, pastors trying to do as they looked at maybe adapting the budget process for it to be more streamlined and more efficient and effective for the ministry. Um, we think that the budget process and the budget itself should be not a pain point, but an exciting tool that we understand God's given to us to see the ministry fulfilled. And so every, every person in leadership should be vying and wanting to see the process be as effective and streamlined as possible. We're not talking about re removing layers of accountability. We're not talking about removing all, all steps in the process. Yeah. Uh, we're no one's saying to do this in a vacuum, but we are saying too many churches have a weighted down bulky process. That's that doesn't result in a joyful outcome. Right. So for one example here, I mean, just I'll lay out real quickly, as quickly as I can, our, our budget process. Yeah. So our budget process is basically, um, so starting right now, I were talking about this in January of the year, uh, staff work on proposals. So they submit budget proposals that give the total they're asking for. It gives a breakdown of that, how that will be used. And then it gives a uh, written out explanation of what they're going to use it for and why that's important. And we use kind of a, a zero-based budgeting principle here of, uh, you know, we're not asking people to submit a percentage change or just a growth change. We're presenting them to actually make the case every year, why do you deserve any money at all in yeah. your budget and how yeah. will you use it? So that's kind of the approach we do. So staff, create those proposals, send them in. The operations department receives those, creates a spreadsheet, exec staff reviews it. Um, and then we kind of go through reviews between operations and exec staff a couple of times. Then in March, it gets presented to the elders once. We hear a ton of feedback. So I sit there basically with a spreadsheet up on a screen. We, uh, we talk through the budget. We talk through a bunch of stuff. I take a bunch of notes, receive all that feedback. We have a month to work on it. We come back in April. And that should be it. We, yeah. we approve the budget in April. Then it goes to the congregation just to present it to them for affirmation in May. Yes. And you you just outlined the the black and white steps of the process. But one thing we should mention is that this is this is under the canopy of a vision that's been cast for the next year. Yeah. Uh, with some goals, plans, hopes, 
um, that we think God God is going to bring to bring to us. Right. So yeah, exactly. So the, the budget process sits on top of a foundation of you know vision documents coming from the lead pastor yep. and for, and from elders and other leaders around that have that have helped alongside of that, um, as well as uh, our calendar planning process, yes. uh, which we plan out our whole ministry calendar. So. Uh, well, let me think. So back in December, we sat down, you know, with uh, with the calendar and with what we do is we lay out each month on these big sheets of paper. And then we bring up sticky notes of different colors for every different event going on at the church. And we look at all that and, you know, where are the holes, where are the gaps, where are the conflicts? You know, how are we? Is this the best plan for ministering to our church? And so then we work from a plan for ministry all the way to the spreadsheet of the budget, which is essentially yep. a layout of the next year in yep. dollars. And that's how we get there. Yeah. And then we also look at, is there any unique big expenses that are for this next coming year or things we want to get into? Is there anything from, you know, upgrading computers or maybe your worship center needs a new camera? You know I mean? Like those are all things we take into account as well, each on a yearly basis. Yeah. The other thing about the budget process that we need to underscore, which is so important, is how much it needs to be covered in prayer. We all know how divisive money can be in our world and even in churches. And so approaching this with an ample amount of prayer will always serve the process and the leaders and the church well. How do you yep. raise the value for really sacrificially giving um, in, a, in a culture where um, we're very me focused? Um, I think that's maybe a little bit part of the budgeting process, mm-hmm. but how do you create a culture of generosity? Yeah. So one of the things that also works with our budget process is that we present the the finalized budget for the congregation for affirmation, along with what we do on an annual basis as we call it our congregational address is where we produce a video for our congregation driven by me that surveys the last year and celebrates all the wins and the awesome thing that God does is, as well as kind of give a forecast for the next year with some particular visions and goals that we have for our church for the next year. And so with that presentation, we also submit the budget so that the church understands this budget comes on the heels of immense gratitude for what God has done and great anticipation for what we think he's going to do. And so Pastor John, it's one thing to go on gratitude and vision and hope, but you have to have a realistic expectation of what you think is the financial capacity, even a faith-based approach. So how do you go about forecasting this? So the most conservative and simple way uh, to do a budget for the following year or, or to forecast is to say, how much did we receive this year in gifts, faithful giving from the church? And then to say, well, we project that we should receive that much or more the following year. If, you know, if we're a, a healthy church that's maintaining or growing, um, you know, that, that's a reasonable expectation. So that's a very simple and conservative way to do it. So we we bring in some more factors. Uh, you know, we've, we've been experiencing sort of larger percentages of growth. And for that reason, you know, we can't um, kind of operate that way. We have to be able to project out further. And so uh, we take in, we, we have, I have kind of a complicated formula in front of me here. We take into account our attendance increase, our giving increase over the previous uh, years, year over year, uh, our budget increase the previous year, our budget increase over what we had projected the, the year before, and then our actual giving over the budget at the end of the previous year. So we use kind of all those factors to inform the final percentage increase that we do. Probably the most, uh, maybe the one I could talk about the most, there's just projection wise. What we do is we have kind of a running projection where we take, you know, out of the 12 months, um, how much, what percentage do we usually receive by different milestones within the year? And so then we kind of run a formula in, in Excel that lands out for us sort of 
you know, by February or by March or by April, what do we forecast that we will have taken in by the end of the year? And how much is that more than the previous year? And so we use kind of just some models like that to try to look at the next year and how much we expect to receive. I think one of the things that's also important to know when it comes to budget is that the people who are making the decisions, and again, in our setting, that's pastors and elders, we have to be fully invested and committed and excited about this budget if we expect our church to faithfully give towards it as well. And so we we always approach it with, is this a budget we're excited about as well? And when it's faith-based and when it's visionary, that's always the case for us. And so it's not a bird sometime. Typically, people are not super excited to talk about money or budget. And so we recognize that. But on the flip, we also think this is an opportunity to see how God's going to fulfill the vision that he's placed on this church. And so that's why we do enter the budget process with hope and anticipation and excitement, even though it can be somewhat laborious. And, and um, again, it's not everyone's favorite topic, but at the end of the day, it's a way for us to see how God continues to prove faithful to this church. Right. We get to see how God continues to prove faithful. And we also, that's, it's a chance, you know, stewardship is the word, right? We get, we try to be faithful with what God has given us. That's right. That's right. It is. And it's another way, actually, as a lead pastor, I I take this seriously. It's another way to demonstrate to the church your level of stewardship and accountability, that you stay within the approved bounds as far as God has provided. And it's another way that we like to, to, to be able to say to our church, hey, we take this seriously. We take this um, we take this with the utmost responsibility, and we understand that this this comes from people's faithfulness and generosity. And so we're going to respect that. We're going to honor that in the ways that we fulfill the vision. Yeah. One final word from me to you know the person in charge of the process sits in the seat like I do, whether you're a deacon or a pastor or a staff member, whatever whatever role you play running this process. Um, I think one of the things that I try to do throughout is just to try to make sensible, logical uh, decisions with the help of others, and then be able to explain those as we go through the process. So that's the thing is just to be able to approach it with humility. And as people ask tons of questions, as they will, about what decisions you made within the budget process, just being able to say, hey, here's how I thought about it. And here's how we got to this spot. And hopefully that will make sense to people. People will be reasonable and and walk with you through that. And this is another one of those, another one of many instances where you have to realize you're not going to make everyone super happy. That's true. There's always going to be someone who wishes that something had more budget money donated to it yep. or designated for it. And that's where you have to stick with the vision before you and say, hey, that's not the time. That's, this isn't the investment that God's called us to right now. And then move forward and own it. Amen. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Blessings on you as you lead out there in the church. <laughs>